Welcome to Calvary Chapel Sebastian Podcast. We hope that you're blessed by this message. If you need a Bible, raise your hand, and uh, guest services will put a Bible in your hand. You know that we're in Matthew chapter 12. We're going to be finishing up chapter 12 this evening. And so raise your hand real high and uh, open your Bibles to Matthew 12. I'm going to start out first real quick. There is a popular commercial on TV. I'm going to give you a hint, and I like it. And when you hear this commercial, the person who's talking has a distinct sound in their voice, okay? And so I'm going to say a few words, and you're going to tell me, I want you to tell me what product they're advertising, and then tell me who is speaking in that commercial. Y'all ready? I want to keep you awake tonight, okay? All right. You ready? Okay. The commercial starts out. What's in your wallet? What's in your wallet? Capital One. Yeah, Capital One. Who, whose voice is that? Come on, all you movie buffs. Who? Very close. Very close. Very close, because I thought that was, yeah, very close. Morgan Freeman. There you go. There you go. Yeah, Morgan Freeman. <laughs> Dark Vader. <laughs> Wrong commercial. <laughs> yeah, Morgan, Morgan Freeman. And he's just got that distinct voice, doesn't he? He, he, he just speaks, and it's like the whole world stops. So they, I don't know what they paid him for that. Probably gave him a free card, whatever, Discover account. But um, uh, I love that. And tonight, in the passage we're going to study, Jesus is going to ask us the same thing. Oh, no, he's not going to ask, hey, Keith, hey, Will, hey, Dave, what's in your wallet? He's not going to ask us what's in our wallet, no. But what Jesus is going to ask with a very distinct voice through the Scripture is, what's in your heart? What's in your heart? So I've asked you to turn to chapter 12, Matthew, verse 33. Everybody's there. We're going to start right in verse 33. And it says... This is Jesus speaking. Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its what, church? By its fruit. You've heard this before, haven't you? Yeah, it's a great saying. It almost sounds like it's not in the Bible, right? Because I've heard people quote that who maybe don't even know who Jesus is. And, and it's, such a, it's such a perfect statement when we say, if you meet somebody, you're trying to figure out, well, what's this person all about? And so you begin to evaluate their life, what they say, how they look, what they do for a living, And Jesus just simplifies it so perfectly. And he says, you want to know if this is a good tree or if this is a bad tree? All you have to do is look at the fruit. And so this is what we're going to talk about tonight. Now, Jesus uses this metaphor, I want you to understand this, to describe the outward, you can just write in your notes, the outward appearance 
of these religious leaders that are in this chapter. Remember, uh, Pastor Mike taught us last week, uh, Mike Braun, and he took us to this point where he's having this back and forth conversation with religious leaders. And so Jesus is using this metaphor, and these leaders are standing in front of him. But I want you to understand that this verse doesn't only apply to religious leaders, but it applies to all of mankind. It applies to you and me tonight. It's an evaluation. I've titled this teaching, Time for a Spiritual Checkup. You ready? So you're in a doctor's office. Jesus is gonna be the doctor tonight, and he's gonna do a checkup, and he's gonna examine us, and more importantly, he's gonna examine our hearts. So I want you to understand something, and we're real good at presenting, especially those of you, if you remember dating, I don't know if we have anybody that's dating in here, maybe, maybe not, but you remember back in your dating days, you would, men, you would always put your best what forward? Best foot forward. Open the doors, right? Make sure your hair's combed if you had hair. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, make sure that you don't have holes in your jeans, wear cologne, uh, pay for the meal, right? You put your best foot forward. Why? Because you want to impress that person that you care about, right? How many of you men still do that? Couple of us. Okay, your dad raised you right. All right, all right. Hey, quiet down over there. I saw that. <laughs> My wife's going, he didn't raise his hand. But I want you to understand something. What we do, what we say, and how we appear cannot be deceptive forever. You agree with me? We can do a real good job at putting our best foot forward, but only for a certain amount of time. Because here's what happens when you, men, when you snag the woman and she marries you, about four months down the road, things start to change, don't they, ladies? Yeah, not always, not always. But I hear it over and over and over. But what's important is, the reality is, if we're talking about our hearts and Jesus doing a heart check on us, we are what we are from the inside out. And we can't fool everyone all the time. That's the important thing that I want you to know. So let me ask you a question. How many of you, by a show of hands, moved here from out of state and moved here to Florida to live? Let me see your hands. Raise your hands. Wow, look at everyone all over here, right? All right, put your hands down. How many of you here actually grew up in Florida all your life, all your life, and you're, yeah, there you go, see? All right, all right, all right. Thank you for letting us in your state. I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying, all right? But listen, when you Floridians go to North Carolina, they call you the leaf flockers, and you go in the fall. You go in the fall to see leaves. They let you in their state. So see how that works, right? You let the Northerners in, and they let you in back up there. So it's kind of weird, but it's crazy. But why do I bring that up? How many of you moved to Florida, and you're like, we're in Florida. You got your orange juice as soon as you cross the line your free orange juice, you buy something or rent a house or whatever, you got property, and the first thing you do is go to the nursery and you go, I'm going to plant a tree. And I'm gonna plant a tree that bears fruit. How many of you, let me see your hands. Anybody take your hand? Only a couple of you, okay, all right. Well, Steve, then I'm gonna pick up, put your hands up again so I can pick on you. Dan, Steve, nobody else? Alan, I thought so, You're, yeah, come on now, yeah. 
So let me ask you a question. What does it take to be successful for your fruit tree to bear or produce good fruit? I've got a couple things listed, but what's the first thing you, you growers, three of you in the whole congregation, <laughs> I wanna ask you how your tree worked out, but, but what you know, what are some things that you gotta pay attention to in order to bear fruit or produce good fruit on your fruit tree? What's one, let's couple of them. Steve? Where you plant the tree. Where you plant the tree, so the type of soil, okay? Next? Water, yes. Water, does it have access to water? What else? Fertilizer, I've got fertilizer down. Yeah, we need to fertilize the fruit tree. What else? Sing to it. I sang to a Venus flytrap one day. It didn't go well. Just saying. Sing to it, I didn't have that on my list. All right, let me give you the rest of them. Prune, prune, right? Why do we prune? Yeah, produce, keep, keep, right? More fruit, right? Um, temperature, right? If it goes down to 32, I'm praying that it goes down to 32 in Florida this year. I'm, the, I'm one of those people, sorry. I'm, I'm big and I'm hairy. I, I like cold weather, all right? <laughs> Come on, brother. Yeah, I hope it gets cold. But what do we worry about? We worry about the orchard freezing. We lose our orange crop, don't we? So... And then one other thing, insecticide, right? We use insecticide because many times our fruit will contact the disease, and it's not just one tree in the orchard, is it? It begins to spread, it could wipe out an entire orchard. And so all of these things are important in order for a tree to bear fruit. Turn with me, if you will, quickly, and it's gonna be back in your Bible, to Galatians, New Testament, couple chapters back, Galatians chapter five. Galatians chapter five. I'm gonna have you all over the Bible because I wanna keep you awake. Galatians chapter five. If you don't know where it is, tap your neighbor and say, I'm humble, show me where it's at. And as you're turning to Galatians chapter five, I love chapter five because what Paul is gonna do is he's, he's gonna, he writes in this chapter about two different kinds of fruits that can be in a person's life, a believer's life, if you will. Paul's writing to the believers, the Galatians. And the two different type of fruits that we're gonna look at is the fruit of the flesh, and we're gonna look at a spiritual fruit. Everybody's there, Galatians chapter five. I'm gonna kind of paraphrase it, and I'm gonna point you to verse 19 so you can find 19. But listen, Paul says, Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify, gratify the desires of your flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these two are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you wanna do. And so the fruits of the flesh are evident. Paul's talking about the fruit of the flesh, and it can be found evident in most of the world. And we also find this often, don't we, in those who are unbelievers, correct? Would you say that would be a true statement? 
Unbelievers, not saved, don't know Jesus, haven't accepted him. And these fruits of the flesh are evident in most of the, um, in, in, and it's found in verse 19. I want to read it to you. The fruits of the flesh are found in 19. Look at your Bible, and what are they? It's going to list them. It says what? Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And then Paul goes on to say, I warn you as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus, remember in Matthew chapter 12, he's giving a visual to these Pharisees. I've got a picture up on the screen. This is what, this is what a bad tree looks like or bad fruit. Does anybody want to go down to uh, your local uh, fruit stand and pick something like that? Do you ever see that in a fruit stand? No, you don't. Notice the branch. Look at the disease and the decay on that branch and the leaves are withered. That is a picture of what bad fruit would look like, right? Now, turn with me, you're in Galatians, turn with me to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John chapter 15. There are so many places in the Bible that talks about fruit. And and you're gonna see by the end of the teaching, you're gonna see that fruit is important. And Jesus talks about it a lot. And you know John chapter 15, the vine and the branch. Let me know when you're there. We're going to begin in verse 1, and I'm just going to kind of walk you through this, and you're going to see a picture of this. Jesus says in 15 verse 1, I am the vine, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears what? no fruit. While every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes. Why? So that it will even be more fruitful. Verse three, you are already clean because of the the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. I don't remember who said water. Who said water's important? Yeah, Barbara. So, the, so this is what Jesus is saying. Here's the metaphor. He's saying, remain in me, remain in me. But what is he talking about, church? He's talking about the role of the Holy Spirit. When we abide in the vine and when our lives become fruitful, we get the living water of Jesus Christ. We get the Holy Spirit to guide us. And when we get off track, what does he say? He says, I prune. I prune. If you're not fruitful, I prune. We go on to say, or to go on to read, it says, neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse five, I am the vine and you are the branches. And if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. And if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch 
here's the warning for not remaining with the Lord and allowing the Holy Spirit that we're gonna talk about. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. What's he talking about there? Hell. It's if you get off that course. If you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, if you refuse to acknowledge the Holy Spirit and you turn away from it. And he says, if you remain in me, my words remain in you. Ask whatever it is you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you do what, church? That you bear much fruit. You see, Jesus' desire in our Christian life is that we remain in him, remain in the Holy Spirit, allow the Holy Spirit to move and work in our lives, changing us day by day more to the image of him. And he's saying here, if you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. But I love this verse, and I have it up on the screen. Tom, you can put that up on the screen. There's a picture of a healthy tree. Look at the leaves and the fruit, but go to the next verse, and this is how we end John chapter 15. Let's read it all together out loud. Let's do it. You ready? This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Jesus is saying here, he said, if you want to know what a good tree looks like, a good tree will bear fruit. If you want to know what a true, authentic Christian is, then you will see their, them bear fruit. Now, what does that look like? What does bearing good fruit look like? You don't have to turn there. I'm going to read it. It was back in Galatians 5.22. You can write that down. But the Holy Spirit, the who? The Holy, here's the role of the Holy Spirit. This is that abiding in me, abiding in us, in Jesus. He's with us. His Holy Spirit is in us. He's guiding us. But he says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. You know this, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. And the last one is self-control. So if you ever wonder, as you're meeting people, or even church people that sit next to you, if you wanna know if they're a good tree or a bad tree, Jesus just showed us. He said, if you recognize maybe even any one of these, because I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm in progress. I am a believer in progress. I am a believer trying to live and allow the Holy Spirit to move through me. I may not have all these things down, say amen. And you may not have all these fruits of the Spirit down either, say amen. amen. But church, we can work on this. And the only way that we can abide and apply, abide in the vine and apply these things is to allow the Holy Spirit to work on these. And, and each day, each year, the longer we walk as a Christian, a lot of Christians walk away from their faith. They walk away from the church. They come less. They don't serve. They don't do anything. But this isn't what we see here. We see here that Jesus says, 
You will know my disciples. You will know who my believers are. You will know who my followers are by their fruit. And not only does he make it easy on us, he even lists it. And he says, hey, we all blow it. We all get angry from time to time. We all get out of control from time to time. So I'm not here condemning you. That's why my wife comes on Wednesday nights because she don't want me lying to you. <laughs> We're all in a process. Don't sit here and feel guilty. But the question is, do we want to be fruitful? Do we want to be recognized as one of Jesus' followers? If we do, then these are the things that Jesus says, they'll recognize you. Someone starts yelling at you and you just kind of calmly and gently handle a situation. You'll knock them off their guard. They won't know what to do with you. And I, I've, I've, I've been really good at that sometimes and I've been really bad at that sometimes. Especially if you're at a concert in Orlando parking garage. <laughs> you know, and it's a Christian concert. And I said to the people that went with me last week or whatever, I said, hey, we're at a Christian concert. Everybody's going to be polite here. <laughs> we laugh, but we're all a work in progress, aren't we? But the whole point that Jesus is saying is, you will know my disciples by their fruit. Now, you remember the parable of the sower. And I want to tie this in. Jesus talked about... Uh, the farmer who had seed. And he talks about these three soils that the seed falls on. And there's different kinds of ground. And in this parable, I found it interesting, interesting that he taught and presented different reactions of what is the seed, the gospel, right? The word of God being taught. And the different types of soils are the different people, the different hearts, the different condition of the hearts, correct? And so it's interesting that the final description of the soil kind of like the soil we talked about. I think Steve said it, it, it's how you plant it. It's what you plant it with that makes the tree successful. And really, it's in correlation to what Jesus is saying here. And in the last type of soil, the description of the soil, it says that the seed fell on is those who would bring forth fruit. These are the ones sown on good ground, those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit. And that's why I opened up the service tonight saying, I am proud of you. You're here because you are bringing fertile soil into this place. Your hearts are fertile. You want to know the word of God. You want to digest the word of God. And as, as whoever's teaching from this pulpit, as they teach from the pulpit and they're giving you the word and they're describing it and making an applicational, you are receiving it. You're, you're in good soil. And be rest assured that the birds won't come and pick it off. It won't get stuck in the thorns and, and wither and dry, but that you're here and that it, it's gonna go deep and that God's gonna do something with this word. And so I just put down here right next to it, believe, receive, and be fruitful. Believe in the word of God. Receive it on good soil of your heart. Be ready to learn. Be ready to grow. Enter in to the presence of the Lord with a humble spirit and a humble heart. And then we will all become fruitful when we approach the word. And so Jesus is simply saying to the world, if you see spiritual fruit or good fruit in a person, then you can identify that they are my disciple. I just put it this way, no fruit, no Jesus in them. Bad tree, bad fruit. Jesus says, uh-uh, 
I don't identify with them. They're not with me. They're not, they're not fruitful. Remember what he says? Turn away from me, what? I never knew you. Was there a fig tree that he rebuked? Yeah. Why did he rebuke the tree? Bad fruit, no fruit, no Jesus. It didn't please him. And so what's important, if you're listening to the podcast or on a new website, as new creations in Christ Jesus, we're an ongoing process of letting the Holy Spirit change us and work through us. But it's interesting, and I want you to know this, our change in conduct and our character is evidence of our spiritual fruit. So do a spiritual checkup. Remember that I said you're gonna do a spiritual checkup. Take a moment, evaluate your heart, evaluate your life and go, since I became a Christ follower, has my conduct changed? Maybe even if it's just a little bit, right? Like if, you know, I'm thinking of Caleb, the sound guy back there. You know, the volume's turned up to like number one. That's okay, right? Our conduct has changed. We've become more like Christ. Our character has changed. And people are noticing a difference. Let me tell you, if you become a believer and people walk away from you, you're doing the right thing, right? Because they don't, they see change. If you stay the same after you get saved and you, your old friends and things that you know you used to do with them, if they're still comfortable and hanging around you, you need to go to the doctor and get a checkup. You might have a heart problem. <laughs> There's not evidence. A person who's not born again cannot produce these fruits that Jesus is talking about. And I put it like this, and they don't care. They're not interested in producing any other fruit. So if you've got a family member that's unsaved, relax, pray for them, but don't expect the same fruit out of them. They're not there. They don't care. They don't even know what that is. But they're watching you, and they're watching me, and when they know that something's different, and they can identify something different on your tree, that's when God will use you the most. See, we cannot see none of us, and I always get into these conversations, and, and I love everybody, and, I, and maybe I, I, don't, I hope I haven't said this, but I've had people that come up to me and they'll tell me something about someone or a friend or whatever, sometimes even somebody here, and they'll go, I don't even know if they're saved. Do you think they're saved? <laughs> trap. <laughs> if you've been pastoring for any amount of time, that's a trap. I'll never answer that question. You know what I say to them? I'm not God. I'm not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes in and indwells in them. And I'm not God. I don't want to judge. Maybe there's a season of someone's life that you go, yeah, that's sketch, right? Or they're struggling, but I'm not the judge. And we all struggle from time to time because we're still what, church? We're still sinners, right? I'm still a sinner, saved by grace. But what's interesting is that we cannot see the human heart to know who is saved and who isn't. But here's what we can do. We can see an ongoing evidence from the spiritual fruit that a person displays. Think about someone you admire in your church. Think about someone that you just have no negative thoughts about and you trust them and you love being around them. Why do you love being around them? What's different about them? 
Maybe you even try to emulate after them or you look up to them. Good, you should. You should have someone that you can look up to. Men, another man that you look up to and you go, I like this guy. I wanna learn from him, right? That's a great thing to do, right? And then also, ladies, those of you that are spiritually mature and you're not wearing your cloak and being so super religious in front of everybody on Sunday morning at 1045, right? But that you, you don't become that way, but you look for a younger woman or a woman and you go, hey, come on, come alongside me. Let's do life together for a while, right? That's what we're to do. That's what pleases Jesus Christ. Turn back now, if you will, to Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. Matthew 12, we'll pick back up in 30, 34. Now, Jesus is addressing, remember, the Pharisees' outward appearance. He's saying, hey, I don't see, I don't see you worshiping me. I don't see any evidence um, in your leadership as a Pharisee that you display any fruits of the Spirit. But now he's gonna go deeper and he's gonna challenge them. Look in verse 34. And he says, you what? You brood of what? Vipers. We all know what a viper is. How can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Verse 35, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. Now, Jesus is exposing the inward appearance of these leaders. And he called them out for who they really were. He just saw right through them. They couldn't fake him out. He's been dealing with these guys for a long time. The interesting thing about the Pharisees, these religious leaders, is that they boasted about them being the seed of Abraham. Remember, they were chosen by God. They thought they were just the cream of the crop in the kingdom of God. And so they were arrogant, they were puffy, they didn't demonstrate any humility. When Jesus came to earth, was he, he, did he demonstrate humility at all the time? What did he say? Me, I'm meek, I'm compassionate. And Jesus himself didn't see this in these leaders and he's calling them out. And he says, outwardly you appear righteous, but inwardly you're like vipers, you're full of poison. You're full of wrong motives. You're full of wickedness. You're deceitful. You're hurtful. You're full of envy and malice. And they committed, this is what really got to him. They committed blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Why? Because they fully denied him. They denied him. They denied his ministry. And they denied his validity that he was a son of God, didn't they? And he's calling them out. He said, you brood of vipers. You have no idea. You're bad fruit. You're evil men. And nothing good can come out of you. Now, that's an insult to the Pharisees because they were teachers of the law. And so they thought they were doing God's work. And they're like, what do you mean everything evil comes out of me? We're good people. They thought they were right. I love what Luke says. It's up on the screen. Luke chapter 6, 24. Same verse, but look how he puts it. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his what? In his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his what? And the, in the ESV version, I love the rest of this verse, let's read it together out loud. For out of the abundance of his heart, his mouth 
speaks. Uh Uh-oh. Pastor David, you're going to take me there. Yes, I am. We're going to go there. But I want to read to you a story real quick. You see, there was a little boy that went over to a pastor's house where the pastor was doing some carpentry in his garage. And the boy simply stood there and watched him for quite a long time. And the preacher wondered, why was this boy watching him and was finally so curious that he stopped from working and he said, son, are you trying to pick up some pointers on how to build something? The little boy replied, no, pastor. I'm just wanting to hear what a preacher says when he hits his thumb with a hammer. <laughs> how many of you have been there and, and something came out of your mouth? Come on, my hand's raised. Come on, man, you're in church, don't lie. <laughs> yeah, we've all been there. And that happens. And that, that's, not what I'm, that's not what Jesus is talking about with their heart. But notice, for out of the abundance, what does the word abundance mean? It's overflow. It's, it's, it's not only what it can contain, but it's everything that overflows out of the heart. Out of the abundance from the heart, his mouth speaks. I put it this way. Often we will discover the true condition of our hearts by what comes out of our mouths in both good circumstances and in bad circumstances. You find that to be true? I do. I do. How many of you are emoji people? Yeah, come on. Men, raise your hand because you text me emojis. All right, ladies, I'm just going to say this. When emojis first came out, and I don't even know when they came out. How long have emojis been around? 10 years? Has it been that? Man, we're getting old quick. 10 years. All right? And emojis came out. I didn't even know what an emoji was, to be honest with you. I'm sorry if you're young. I know we're old. We're on Facebook. You guys are on all the latest, greatest social media stuff. But I didn't know what an emoji was. And then it was interesting because all the girls, all the ladies would like, you know, in your text, you'd be like hearts and, you know, flowers and, you know, smiley faces and that. And I never got into that. I'm just like, what does that mean, you know? So what, it, what is an emoji? An emoji is how you express your feelings about something, right? And then, men, I don't know what happened, and, and I'm all right, but like I got like some of the other pastors texting me emojis. <laughs> and I'm like, that's what men do now? John, do you text emojis? On a rare occasion. Rare occasion. <laughs> so you lost your man card like me. About the only emoji that I will do is I'll, every, this is popular. What's this one? Praying, right? We, that's, that's cool. Like, we can be cool doing that, right? Um, sometimes, how many of you do? Yeah, yeah, I see it. I yeah, we do this, right? What about this? You'll, it, sometimes you get me doing this. It's like, hang, hang five, you know, like, cool. Okay, whatever, right? But I Googled this emoji, and I'm like, what are these, what are these two emojis, well, the one, the one is green, so a green face means what? You're sick, and what does a sick person do? You're in church, don't say that word. <laughs> but this one here, I thought this was interesting because, well, yeah, but he's not green. It doesn't look like he's sweating. He doesn't have a fever, but what is he doing? I'm sorry, what's he doing? I told you not to say that in church. Up Chuck. Why do I put this crazy, silly thing up? We're in church. What are you doing, David? But 
I remember when we were raising our boys, and even now, um, when we sometimes raise, and, and all of you that have kids, you'll remember this. What'd I say? Yeah, sometimes we raise them. Hi, how are you? Because they come out of their bedroom like once a night or whatever. Hi, mom and dad. Oh, you're home. But when we were raising them, and, and you know, parents, when they get around the wrong people, right? They're around the wrong influence, whether it's school or wherever they're at, right? You automatically pick up on that, don't you? Because what changes? Attitude, tone, length, thank you, language, right? And I'll never forget this. I love this. I even had to ask my wife because I wanted to quote her specifically. When they did that, my wife would say, don't you dare, what did you say? Don't you dare vomit your filth on us. In our house, she would say that, or she would say, don't you dare spill that out on, our, on us. That's not how we talk in this house, right? And so now I'm just gonna remember that because they're still living with us and they're teenagers. Every time they get, cop a, t- a, t- a tood or a tone with me on text, can you cop a, a tone on text? I don't know. We think people do, don't we? Yeah, we get in fights over text. I hate text. It's like, I didn't mean it that way. I was trying to encourage you, you know? But I'm gonna use that emoji from now on. I had no idea that that was an emoji. But why do I bring it out? Well, the verse says, a good man brings good things out of good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of evil stored up in his heart. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Jesus put it in here because he thought it was important enough to talk about it. So what do we do with that? Couple things I wanna talk about. First of all, how do we deal with a heart that's abundant and overflowing just junk, right? How do we deal with that? First of all, I think the most important thing, if you're taking notes I didn't put on the screen, recognize that the process is a failure. Recognize the process of your heart being in the wrong place is considered failure. What do I mean by that? Here's how I put it. When our heart is overflowing with evil or with anger or with whatever junk that goes in your heart, that it gets to a place where it comes out of our mouths, okay? And all of you are with me. I know you are because you're a real church. But the process, I was thinking about this. How do we get there? We need to recognize the process. And here's what I wrote. Thoughts come into our minds. It takes residence in our hearts. And then from our hearts, our mouth speaks. Would you find that to be true at times? Yeah. So what we speak is really revealing and reflecting what's inside our hearts. What we say, church, what I say, church, reflects the overflow or the abundance of my heart. So the question is, here's your spiritual checkup. What's been coming out of your mouth lately? What's been coming out of your mouth this year, this month, this week, maybe even today? And so I'm gonna give you a couple things that are gonna help you deal with this so that Jesus doesn't look at us and say, you're evil and evil things come out of your mouth. First thing you need to write down is we need to stop that at the mind stage. We need to stop it at the mind stage. I have it up on the screen. There's two verses, 2 Corinthians 10, 5. We're to take what? Captive every what? Thought and make it what? Obedient to Christ. Stop it at that stage right there, right? All the thoughts that come in, whether they're 
I always say this, they're either gonna be one of two things, God thoughts or Satan's thoughts. There is no in-between. It's either from God, of God, or it's from the world or from Satan or self, right? So we need to stop it. And the next scripture you see is Romans 12 too. God transforms you and I by the renewing of what? Our minds. So stop it at the mind. If we stop those negative thoughts, those poisonous thoughts at our mind, it won't get to the heart, will it? And the scripture's given to us. Number two, filter it through the Holy Spirit before it gets to the heart. Now, I wish I could have created a diagram. I was gonna call Caleb and go, hey, can you have Brett create a diagram? But it's a Wednesday night and you know, you get it. See, the Holy Spirit, figurative, you will, is like a filter, right? You have water filters, comes from the well, goes through the filter and out through the faucet. Well, between your mind and your heart, picture the Holy Spirit right here, kind of like right on your shoulder, right? Kind of in that highway between the head and the heart. If you constantly picture the Holy Spirit, the abiding in the vine that we read, if you picture it right here, if it gets past your thought and you didn't do what the scripture said, then it's gotta stop here at the rest stop of the Holy Spirit, the filter. We allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us the way God speaks to us about it before we let it go here. You see, church? Next. How many of you from up north again? Raise your hand so everybody knows. All right, keep your hands up, everybody. How many of you had a basement or a cellar, depending on, keep your hands up. Yeah, we love basements and cellars. <laughs> when we moved to Florida, where's your basement? And then we know that you're from up north because you don't park your cars in the garage. That's your basement. <laughs> Amen? Come on, be real. That's our basement, it's our garage. And then there's like cars in the driveway and when you have guests over, you gotta park them on the roads. It's like, the neighbors are like, they moved in five years ago, when they're gonna pull their car in? Well, that's our basement, right? <laughs> but your heart, I want you church to think of it, your heart is like a basement, or depending on where you're from, a cellar. Now, how easy is it to collect junk in your basement? It's a collect-all, yeah. And then if you're from really up north in an old house, what accumulates that seeps through the walls of the basement? Moisture. And then the moisture gets to all your junk that you put in the basement. What happens to that? Mold, smells. And then some of you, when you decided to finally move to Florida, you had to have a garage sale on top of a garage sale just for the basement when you cleaned it out, didn't you? Well, you know what? When we're talking about our thoughts, if we don't stop it in our mind and we don't stop it at the Holy Spirit filter, do you know how much junk you're gonna accumulate in the heart, your basement, the heart? And this is what Jesus is talking about. He's saying over the abundance, the abundance. It's the junk that you allow to store up in the cellar of your heart. And then one last time, Jesus is talking about the mouth, isn't he? And he says, evil, what comes out of an evil heart is evil words. Remember, what's sitting right here between the heart and the mouth again? Holy Spirit. So Jesus loves us so much that he gives us another opportunity that what's in your heart's gotta go back through the filter of the Holy Spirit before it comes out the mouth, doesn't it? So I gave you five steps to avoid 
that kind of stuff coming out of your mouth. How are you doing in that? And I believe that we can change through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, why is this so important? Well, we know in Romans 14, 12, it says, so then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been in a situation where you observed someone and assumed that that person you were interacting with was a Christian? Come on, put your hand up. You, you perceived they were a Christian? And then you find out they are, right? But let me ask you this. Have you ever been in a situation where you observed someone and assumed that that person you were interacting with was a Christian and then they opened up their mouth and you thought, oh no, I was way off. I don't see fruit, I don't see the spirit. Let me ask you another question. Have you ever been that person that people question whether you're a Christian or not and then you open your mouth? Yeah, uh-oh, right? Yeah. And Jesus is reminding us in verse 36, we will give an account one day for our words. Look what he says in verse 36, you're there. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of what? For every empty word you have spoken. For by your words, not your wife's words, not your kids' words, but for our words, we will be justified and by our words, we will be condemned. We're gonna wrap up in a minute here. I'm not gonna get to the rest of the passage and that's okay, but I wanna land the plane here. The book of James, and I love the book of James, and men went through the book of James um, this fall through some chapters. I sat in on some of those and it was so rich and, and, and it was so good for the men to go through that. But in the book of James, there are so many nuggets of wisdom. One of those nuggets is found in James 3, 6. And this verse warns us of the consequences of our mouth that it can lead us to. I'm gonna read it to you. It says, the tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body. It sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. And he's talking about the tongue, isn't he? Our words, our speech. I've got it up on the screen for time's sake. Just take a snapshot of that. But the book of Proverbs, do not overlook the book of Proverbs. It has an incredible amount of wisdom when it comes to our words and how we use them. And here's a few of them that I, and, and I could have went on and on and on. But it says, Proverbs 18.4, you can see it. A person's words can be life-giving water. Words of true wisdom are as refreshing as a bubbling brook. Proverbs 16.24, kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. Gentle words bring life and health. A deceitful tongue does what? It crushes the spirit. We need to be careful of our words with one another. Proverbs 51, and I love this. I think you've heard me say this if you're around me at any length of time. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. You know, when you gotta deal with a confrontation with another brother or sister in Christ, that's the verse that you probably wanna know by heart because we're people that wanna be right. We're people that wanna defend ourselves but that verse right there will stop an argument between two believers, I promise you, every time if one person takes that position. And then finally, Proverbs eleven nine: 9, evil words destroy one's friends and wise discernment rescues the godly. 
The rest you can read on your own, verse 38 through 50. Basically, the Pharisees are just trying to trick Jesus, and they go, hey, show me a miracle. And he goes, you want a miracle? Uh, wait till the cross. I'm gonna perform a miracle. I'm gonna rise from the dead in three days. And he talks about Jonah did it, and he said, but I'm going to even do greater. That'll be your miracle. Your hearts aren't right. You're just trying to trap me. I'm not gonna perform a miracle for you. You don't need it. You don't believe and I'm not gonna do it. You'll see the miracle when I go to the cross, and Jesus knew that. The next, in verse 43, I do, because if you read it at home alone, um, I just wanna tell you about that verse, 43 through 50. Um, it's basically talking about a man who's not saved. It's about, it's about that the Holy Spirit's not living in us, and I love what Spurgeon says about this verse. It says, a demon can only inhabit someone if he finds it empty, and that is without the indwelling of the spirit of Jesus in, in us. So long as the heart is not occupied by the great foe, which is Jesus, then Satan can use the man for his own purposes. The adversary of the souls will let him reform as much as he pleases. And it's just a clear warning. So if you are here and you believe you're a Christian and you know that you're saved and the Holy Spirit lives in you, a demon cannot dwell in you. The house cannot be divided. He has no access to you. But it's a clear, Jesus has given a clear warning that there are consequences for not receiving the Holy Spirit, basically becoming a Christ follower, receiving and repenting for your forgiveness of sins. Put up that slide, um, Tom, the last slide. Here's what I wanna do. You can close your Bibles. And I apologize. This is my last teaching of the year. Can you give me one more minute? All right. For many of us in this room tonight, you're closer to your church family than you are your earthly relatives. I am. I've developed a love for many of you men in this church because we're family. God ordained us to be family. We're, we're one spirit. And for us, we love our, our relatives, all of us, but sometimes it's just, it's different, isn't it? Church family, you trust, you know that they're praying for you. They're just different. And God, I want you to know church tonight, and that's probably why I felt like opening up the service the way I did, is that it's, it's a blessing. It's a blessing. And there might be people in this room, and you don't even have family. And this church, these people, your, your neighbors sitting next to you, they're your family. That's how God designed it. There's a verse that I wanna read you, Ephesians 2.18. For through him, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers or foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. Do you wanna know why you're probably, and I'm speaking for myself, maybe you agree. Do you wanna know why you're closer to church family than you are your, your blood earthly relatives? I just read it to you. We're gonna spend eternity with one another. We can't say that for unsaved relatives. We pray, we hope, we intercede, but we're not assured. And the spirit is what unites the body of believers. And so in closing, put up that slide. Spiritual checkup. Here's what I want you to think about as we wrap it up. What did we learn tonight? Ask yourself this, what kind of fruit am I currently producing? 
Next, spiritual checkup. Can people tell I'm a follower of Jesus Christ without me telling them? In other words, without me saying I go to church or I've got a cross on my neck. Do they know you're a believer? Can they see the fruit, good fruit, in your life and make that assessment about you without you telling them? Next, spiritual check. Ask yourself this question. Do I need to improve the attitude of my heart and what's coming out of my mouth? That hit me big time because I'm just high strung, man. I, I, I spin like a top sometimes, and my wife knows that. I confess that. And man, I, I don't want to be like that all the time. And I need the Holy Spirit. I need to practice more of asking the fruit of the Spirit to help me with that area. How are you doing in that area, any area of the fruit? And then finally, ask yourself this question. Do I believe that change starts with prayer? Why don't you stand? How many of you come in agreement with number four on that screen? Do you believe the change starts with prayer? Raise your hand. Okay, look around you. Just look, nothing weird, look around you. Okay, here's how I'm gonna end the service. It's nothing weird, but I want you to just pick somebody that had their hand up and I want you to just pray for about a minute. Just say this, I need help in one area that I just learned tonight. You don't have to say what the area is, but I want you to confess that to your neighbor and then just let your neighbor pray over you. Can we do that? Can we do that? And you can pray in groups of three and, and I'm gonna, I'll just be around the room and that I'll join you. But just do that. Let's finish that way. Let's finish in prayer. Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Sebastian podcast channel. If this message impacted your life, we encourage you to share it with a friend. We're located at 1251 Sebastian Boulevard, just northeast of Intersection 90th Avenue and State Road 512 in Sebastian, Florida. Our service times are Saturday evening at 6 p.m., Sunday morning at 1045 a.m., and Wednesdays at 630 p.m.